This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Uh, thank you, thank you. Go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, that, that last night was so much fun. And... Uh, it was just beyond what we could imagine. And this morning is such a great moment in time for our church. And so we have some really fun stuff planned right now. And then God has given Kevin a great message for us. And I don't want to shortchange that. So I want to get right to the stuff. It is a beautiful day, right? Yeah. Wasn't it great? The sun was all shining and everything today. It was just, yeah, all right, here we go. So... Uh, Kevin and Maria, would you guys come up here, please? And we should have some chairs somewhere. There they are. I have some things to say to you guys. I have some things to say to them, okay? So I want to start with you. Uh, I want to say how much fun you guys are to pastor. And I said last night, my favorite church in the whole world, hands down. And, and when I say my favorite church, I mean my favorite group of individual people. And so uh, I know that you guys are, are just going to bless Kevin and Maria in ways that are phenomenal. And I'm going to say some things to them. But when I do, I'm actually talking on behalf of all of us. So I want you to listen because I'm going to make some promises, but they're not just my promises. They're promises from you. Are you, are you in for that? Yeah. All right, here we go. Kevin, I want to start with you. You are an answer to prayer. Huge answer to prayer. Um, God saw this day coming when you were a kid. And wherever you were in that field at 16 when you gave your heart to Christ, God saw this day coming. And he was moving in your life. I think he caused you to go to Sonoma State University because he wanted to get you next to us. Of all the places you could have gone, I think he caused you to come here. He got you lined up with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship because that was like basic training for ministry. And he put you through basic training. It was good, but it was also basic training. And, um, and then of all the churches in this area you could have gone to, he drew you to new life. And so all of those things he was doing because he saw this day coming. And... Um, as we prayed and as I prayed and asked our leadership team to pray behind the scenes about the future of our church and who God would bring along. Um, we didn't know it, kind of, but we didn't know it. He had been working on that project for years. And that's the kind of God we serve. And I trust your relationship with him. And when I started this church... Nobody put any expectations on me. Nobody put any constraints on me and said, well, if you're going to plant a church, 
you got to do this and you got to do that. One of the things that I enjoyed from day one is the full freedom to get on my knees and to hear from God. And then to stand in front of this church and, and to teach them what God said and to lead them wherever God would lead us. And I want to say to you, today as we make you our lead pastor, I give you those same freedoms. Okay? I have no expectations of you. We have no expectations of you. No constraints on you. You should spread your wings and fly, except for this one. We would expect you to get on your knees. We would expect you to hear from God. And we would expect you to stand in front of us and courageously lead us wherever he instructs. That's it. Are you up for that? I'm up for it, yeah. I know you are. I know you are. This wouldn't be a good time to say no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go over those options again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have one story I have to tell you. Um, when Kevin and Maria headed off to India... Um, I didn't confess it to you, but it was the first time in a long time that I had a great deal of fear. And I began praying, God, if that plane goes down, i got to start all over again. (laughs) (laughs) So more than anyone in this whole audience, I prayed for your safety. That's it right there. Yes. Maria, I have some things to say to you. You were God's answer to prayer. I remember when Kevin came to me one day and said, I've started a relationship with a girl back in Illinois. And I could tell by Kevin's, the look in his eyes, this was not a fleeting fancy. That this was, this was something deep and something that, that he was very serious about. And Kevin, I don't know if he remembers it, but he asked me to pray about that relationship. And I remember the first time he brought you here. And and he was wanting to introduce you. And I had already prayed for you, actually, many times. And I loved your spirit. I loved just everything about you. And, and And I was praying about this day. Knowing that the first time I talked to Kevin about this day, he wasn't even dating you. And, uh, and just wondering, okay, I've got a lot of friends that ended up marrying someone that took them a totally different direction and not knowing for sure how that would all play out. So you are indeed an answer to prayer. The second thing I would say to you is when we started the church, no one put any constraints on Monica. She was free to pursue the spiritual gifts and callings that God had given her and to express those in the church however God led her. And no one said, well, because you're Ron's wife, you need to be this or do this or go here. That's never been part of our church. And today, we accord you those same freedoms. We would want you to pursue every giftedness God has given you and to have the freedom to live it out and to um, and just fly with him. And whatever you do, we will be by your side cheering you on. Fair enough? I have one other thing to say to both of you. I deeply respect both of you because I know 
that you have followed Christ in a way that many people don't. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down of my own accord. And I know that both of you have done that. Kevin, you came up here to pursue a degree in education. You got your degree. But in the process, God said, I know that's the life that you have. And you can live that life. But I have an invitation to what I would love to do with your life. But in order to do this, you have to lay down that life. And you did. And Maria, I know that if anyone had interviewed you a few years ago and said, would this be your dream life that you would move to the West Coast and be thousands of miles from your family and doing the things that you do today, you would have said, that would probably take the voice of God to do that. <laughs> Guess what? It did. <laughs> yes? And so you had a life. And Christ invited you to, to lay down that life. And for two years as a church, we have continually quoted one verse of Scripture. And that is, take hold of the life that Christ has for you. And you guys have done that. You've laid down your lives. And because of that, everybody in this room, and everybody who will be here later today, and even many people who are not here, we have the highest of respect for you. And we are excited, Kevin, to make you our lead pastor. And Maria, we're excited to watch you walk beside him. So we're going to pray for you, and then I have a couple of other things I want to do. Okay? So Monica is going to pray for Maria, and Monica will need a microphone. Yes, yes, the staff is coming up here. Thank you. Where's Jake? There you are. All right. We're like one big Mr. Rogers loving Check family. Too. Okay. <laughs> All right. Monica is going to pray first. Father, I come before you um, with um, Maria in mind, Father, that we can just focus on her for a couple seconds here and Father, thank you for the privilege of this style of prayer where you said where two or more are gathered. And um, looking around, we've got more than two. And we want to agree, Father, to pray these things into Maria's life. Father, thank you for uh, what Ron has said, that Maria has come alongside a decision that Kevin made. And she's accepted this journey. And... Um, Father, it's, it's foolish to think that there isn't a human anxiety um, in youthfulness. Father, the most beautiful thing about youth is that you give them energy and, and great ideas. And we all sit around and think they're a little harebrained. But God, they, they get done what needs to be done. It's just so awesome. And um, we are so grateful to turn uh, the leadership of the church over to these two people who have sacrificially said no to many, many things here on earth to put their treasures in heaven and in souls. Father, as Maria takes this um, journey, we um, celebrate her talents and her kind-heartedness. 
um, her quick smile, her desire to um, be real and be right with you. Father, it's just a genuine um, wholesomeness, Father, that she brings to the church family here. And I pray that this big um, celebration weekend will not put fear in her, that it's some huge thing she has to live up to. God, the church here has been so loving and so graceful to Ron and I, and we ask that that grace would continue and just bathe both of them, but especially Maria. God, is um, so much of what she does will be unnoticed and um, the sacrifices that she makes and the things that she does without and the things that she has to do um, just to support Kevin. God, there's so much there that you would help the church family to always just love on her and be genuinely concerned and genuinely praying for her. And um, would you put other women in her life that she totally um, feels comfortable with who always will um, keep the bar a little bit higher for her, that they would just um, pray for her and see her uh, potential and just, Lord, just not let her down in any way. I pray as people come to her with problems and hurts that her heart will just cry over. Um, Give her the strength that comes only from you to be able to take those burdens, pray over them, and not be brought down by them. Father, help her to speak in wisdom and be just full of wisdom and understanding. And um, we ask that you would help her to uh, enjoy the journey. It's a wild ride, and it's the awesomest ride ever in the world. So I pray that it would, she would find so much joy and so much peace. And please help her. When it, Kevin goes through things or they go through things as a couple or her individually, and it looks dark, God, please remind her that you are just in the middle of something that's going to turn out awesome on the other end. Just help her, please, to hold strong and um, trust in you with all of her heart. Christ's precious name, amen. Amen. Father, as you have been with me, um, I know you will be with Kevin. I pray that you would give him a sensitivity to your voice, that in the midst of all the other voices that will be in his world and that are in his world, would you tune his ear to your voice? that he could hear it loudly and clearly above everything else, and that it would be like a beacon for him, something he could just point the ship toward and never waver. And Father, would you pour out your spirit on him in measures that he's never experienced to this point. And when he draws alone to be with you, would you overwhelm him with your presence so that he could stand and lead with the most amazing combination of fearless courage 
and deep love. Would you give him the grace to speak the truth in love in such a way that we hear your voice in it even more than we hear his? And Father, would you guide our church through him, through the entire leadership team and the pastoral staff? Would you guide our church to change the spiritual climate in this entire region for your glory? Lord, that there might be many, many, many people in heaven. Maybe we could have a Petaluma area reunion up there. That would be awesome. God, would you just do that? Over this next leg of the journey through him, I pray in your great name. Everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Okay, Angela. It's and if you guys could, if you would stand up, and Maria, could you stand back with these guys, and we'll just take these and put them back on the stage. I have a little symbol for this day, and this is a track baton that would be used in a relay race. It's a very expensive one. It costs $2.77. Awesome. Yes, symbolically priceless. Okay. And it, it is engraved. It says, New Life's Senior Leadership passed from Ron Hunt to Kevin Finkbeiner, February 16, 2014. And then it has the scripture reference that you will see up here on the screen. Paul writes and says, I planted the seed... Apollos watered it, but God is the one who made it to grow. So the one who plants, not important. The one who waters, not important. Only God who makes things grow is important. And so, I planted, you get to water. And so, I am going to officially pass the baton of leadership from me to you. I made a little gift in my wood shop for you. Wow. Okay? And you can mount it on the wall, and the baton rests in here. But here's the great thing about this. Here's the great thing about this. This is actually made out of bloodwood. Okay? I, I didn't color it. That is the color. It's called bloodwood to remind you that Jesus purchased the church with his own blood. And this I ordered in gold color to remind you to build out of gold, silver, and precious stones and never out of wood, hay, and stubble. So... Would you welcome with me our new lead pastor, yours and mine, Kevin Finkbeiner. Bless you, guys. Thank you. Come on in.
care, I think. Is that okay? Yeah, thanks. Wow, I have people that give me my podium now. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I could get used to this. Well, I have always known that you are some of the most loving, kindest, and smartest people in Petaluma and the surrounding area. And you confirm today that you are some of the most attractive and well-dressed people <laughs> as well. So, I'm sorry, I just need to get a quick video because I don't... I don't know. This will stick for some of you. you will, some of you will love this style. Justin, by the way, very attractive in that outfit. <laughs> but for the rest of you, this might be a once in a lifetime. So I just need to get a little video here because you guys, you blew me away with your plaids and cardigans. It's an excellent, excellent look. Well done, church. Well done. Well, we kicked off this journey many Years ago, Ron and I have been talking about this since I was really in my early 20s when he planted this idea. I was working at Sonoma State with college students, loving, loving that ministry. And, and Ron just planted this bug in my ear that someday, maybe, no strings attached, no pressure, but someday maybe, he could see me transitioning into the lead role of our church. And at that point, it seemed like that was forever away. And as I lay in bed last night and was praying, I just realized this is, it's here it's here, and what an exciting journey this gets to be for us. And so I, I'm so excited to take this journey with you. I, I've been thinking, what would I say today? How would we start this uh, teaching series? What direction would we go? And I realized I can preach on anything, but the thing, the thing that I want to share about today is it's the, reason, it's the reason why I love you guys. It's, it's the reason why I'm drawn to new life. The thing that I want to teach about today is the reason why I want to invest my life in our community, why I want to invest my family in our community, why I believe that as we walk through this, you're going to say to yourself that you want to invest your life and your family in this community. I want to share about the, the DNA that Ron set up from day one. I want to share about the thing that when I came to New Life 12 years ago, was the thing that grabbed me and stuck with me and said, this is my church. But to, to understand what that thing is, you have to know my story a little bit. And some of us have gotten to know each other over the years. Some of you are guests today for the first time, and I'm so glad that you're here. You picked a great day to come. But if you don't know me, my story goes something like this. I was raised in a Christian home. My family's here. Uh, they raised me to know and love God. I love them. They're incredible. And when I was 17, I had this faith awakening where God really called me to himself. And I was out in a field one night, and I said to the Lord, I said, if, if you'll take me, I'll follow. Wherever you want to go, I'll follow. And, uh, and he took me, and he's been taking me ever since. And I wasn't perfect at 17, and I'm not perfect at 32, but I was excited to follow Jesus. And so that next summer, I went back to the camp where I had had this faith awakening experience to go, and my jobs were twofold for this summer. I washed dishes for 300 campers a week, and I got to pray for one cabin, one group of guys each week, high school students, and then share with them my story at the end of each week. 
And on about week three, a group of guys came up and I was praying for them and sharing my story. And uh, you have to know, I, I love Jesus. And I had this interesting thing about me. I had some bleach spiked hair. I had a tongue ring. You know, I, I was in my boy band phase. And, um, and at the last day of that camp, a man walked up to me and he was the dad of one of the campers. And he said to me, he said, I, I need to apologize to you. And I'd never met this man in my life. I said, well, why do you need to apologize? He said, well, my son was in the cabin that you've been praying for and that you, you shared with last night. And when I first got here, I saw you with your camp shirt on. And I thought, I don't want my son to have anything to do with that kid. He looks like trouble. He said, but my son gave his life to Christ last night as you shared your story. And I just want to apologize to you for that judgment that I placed on you. And while I was excited about his son, something in me, it hurt. That someone who I'd never met who didn't know me had passed a judgment on me because of the way that I looked. And then years went by and I got into college ministry and at 22 the tongue ring was gone but I had gauged ears so you could almost put a pencil through my ears. And uh, I went to a a conference with other college pastors and on day three uh, a female said to me, she was one of the college pastors at a different campus, she came up to me and said, Kevin, I need to apologize to you. I said, why do you need to apologize to me? This is This is fun. She said this, and I quote, when I saw you, I thought to myself, they'll let anybody be a pastor in California. (laughs) But over the last few days, I've gotten to know you, and I've realized that you really, genuinely, authentically love God, and I want to apologize to you. And while I appreciated her apology, again, I had that feeling, that's painful, painful. Another Christian, another pastor who doesn't know me has just passed judgment on me based on the way that I look and had in-grouped and out-grouped and somehow I found myself on the outside. That feeling of not belonging around people who I thought I should belong with was incredibly difficult to me. And maybe for some of you, that's been your experience, not here, but in your life where You went to a church, maybe as a child growing up, or as a teenager, or a young adult, and the way you looked, or something you said, or something you did, caused the people in that community to pass a judgment on you, and make you feel like there was an in-group and an out-group, and you were on the outside. And, And if that's you, maybe we have more in common than you think. Maybe today's the first day you're actually trying church again, or New Life is the first church that you've actually decided you're going to give a chance again, because you had this feeling. You thought to yourself, well, if, if Christian people will judge me without knowing me, then their God is probably going to judge me without knowing me. And that was partially my experience. And if that was your experience, I just want to apologize to you. One of the things I love about our church is that that is not our experience. It's not our experience. And I believe that feeling of judgment, of in-grouping and out-grouping is one of the biggest things that actually keeps people from encountering God who can change and transform their lives. And it's not just a Sonoma County thing. It's not just a 2014 thing. This has been a thing since religious people have walked the earth. In fact, uh, in John chapter 8, in the New Testament of the Bible, there's a, a story of Jesus. And Jesus is uh, encountering two groups of people in this story religious leaders, and a woman who's hurting, and a woman who's in pain. 
And in this interaction that he has, he gives them a picture of what it looks like to authentically know God and to live as the community that God called us to live. And and I I just want to share this with us today because I want to tell you, church, you are killing it at this. This is us, and this is one of the reasons why I I heart my church. So we're going to pick up the story in John chapter 8, verse 2, and there's some teaching notes in your folder. You can go ahead and grab those. It says this in John 8, 2. It says, At dawn, he, that's Jesus, appeared at the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they brought a woman who'd been caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught, don't miss this, in the very act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, we're commanded to stone such a woman. What do you say? And then we get some subtext here. They were using this question to trap Jesus so they could have a basis for accusing him. So basically what's happening is, They're having a church service. The temple in Jerusalem was the place where you would gather to worship and encounter God. It was like the mega church of the ancient world. So there are thousands of people gathered in the temple, and Jesus has gained popularity at this point. And so they see this teacher, Jesus, this rabbi, and he's teaching. And and 20, 50, 100, multiple hundreds of people possibly begin to gather around him to listen to him teach because his popularity has grown And these religious leaders are around and they feel threatened by Jesus because the only way the religious leaders know how to get people to follow God is by coercion or fear or guilt or shame. But Jesus doesn't use any of those tactics and yet people are coming to Jesus and they're following God. And so the religious leaders are incredibly threatened and they walk in right in the middle of Jesus giving the sermon and they throw a woman down. She's She's probably naked because they caught her in the act of adultery. Maybe she's got a a sheet wrapped around her that she grabbed as they pulled her out of the bed. They throw her down to the ground, and she's humiliated. She's at her worst. She's crying, and as she cries, her, her tears mix with the dirt to form mud all around her. People begin to murmur. The crowd begins to say, I, I knew that's what she was like. Honey, you stay away from her. I've heard stories about her. She's one, of, she's one of those types. She's easy. She's embarrassed. And the whispers get louder. And the stares get stronger. Until the religious leaders look at Jesus and they say, the Old Testament law says, if someone's caught having an affair, we pick up a stone and we stone them to death. And this woman was caught having an affair. Here's the deal. It's a total setup. The religious leaders don't actually care about the woman. They don't care about honoring God. They want to trap Jesus. Because the Old Testament law that they're referring to says that if a couple is caught having an affair, the couple, both people are brought to the courts and they're both stoned. Where's the guy? He's gone. How did they know where she was going to be, when she was going to be there. It's a setup, and she's a pawn in their game to try to trap Jesus. And here's what the trap is. If Jesus says, no, we're not going to stone this woman, he goes against the law of Moses, the Old Testament law, and it discounts everything in his ministry. But if he says yes, he's breaking the Roman law. See, the Romans were the conquering community over the Jews 
And they said that the Jews could not perform capital punishment. So if he says yes and they stone this woman, he's breaking Roman law and they have the authority to kill him. Right in the middle of this church service, as Jesus is teaching and preaching, they throw the woman down and they look Jesus in the eye. And they say, she's clearly done something wrong. What are you going to do about it? And the scripture says that Jesus bent down and started writing on the ground with his finger. And they kept on questioning him, what are you going to do about it? And he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone who is without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and began to write in the ground. And I love what Jesus does here. Jesus, he he bent down next to a woman when everyone was standing around her, pointing their finger at her, whispering about her, picking up rocks to stone her. He bent down by her and he began to write in the sand with his finger. And people who were smarter than me they argue about what exactly he wrote. I don't know. It could have been the Ten Commandments that he was writing down as he, as he looked up at the religious leaders and said, oh yeah, that one? I'm God. I know you did that. It could have been that he was writing down the list of sins that the religious leaders had committed and putting names by it. We don't know. It could have been that he bent down next to this woman and began to write down her emotions, fear, and wipe it away. Embarrassment. And wipe it away. We don't know exactly what Jesus wrote down, but we do know this. He said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Verse 9 says, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, till only Jesus was left with this woman. And then Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. I love that. Jesus saw this woman as a human being whom he loved, and he accepted her at her worst moment. He protected her at her weakest moment. He forgave her at her most embarrassing, darkest moment. And he gave her hope in her most hopeless moment. And when he did that, he did what none of the religious leaders could do through their judgment and their condemnation and their guilt and their fear. He opened the door for this woman to encounter the life-transforming love of God. And friends, that's, that's what you do every day with your neighbors, with your coworkers, and with your kids and your parents and your friends. That's, that's what you do with the person you bump into at the grocery store. That's what you do right now, even with your enemies. What I love about our church is that we love people. And when we love people, we open the door for them to encounter the life-changing love of God. You could say it this way, I heart my church, I heart my church because we drop our rocks and we never pick them back up. 
We drop our rocks and we never pick them back up. Jesus' love and forgiveness had nothing to do with whether or not this woman had sinned. She had sinned. She was caught having an affair. It had nothing to do with right and wrong. It had nothing to do with Jesus being soft on sin and kind of uh, minimizing the Old Testament, minimizing the Bible. It had nothing to do with that. Jesus, Jesus was meeting her where she was and loving her where she was so that she could encounter God and experience transformation. And I don't know for sure, but I doubt this woman ever picked up a rock to throw at somebody else. Because she'd experienced the depths of God's grace and his forgiveness and his love, and it had transformed her. I heart my church because we choose every day, every day, not to pick up our rocks. Not because we're easy on morals or we have no opinions about things. We, 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 we choose not to pick up our rocks so that we can rub shoulders with people and love them and open the doors of this church so that people can come in and experience God's life-changing love. And here's why we do it. Because we remember the first day we came to New Life. We remember that when we came in, someone could have picked up a rock and thrown it at us. Right? We remember that for some of us, that wasn't that long ago. We remember that for some of us, we were angry at our spouse or our kids on the way to church, and they could have picked up their rock and thrown it at us. But she didn't. She didn't. And because she didn't throw it at you, you choose not to pick it up and throw it at her. I love that about our church. And and listen, I know why some churches have a tendency to keep their rocks close and keep them ready for throwing. I get it. It's cleaner. It's safer. It's easier. When you say certain people are in, you're welcome for this group. Certain people are out. I'm sorry. I love you. I don't know about you. It just is. It's easier. And it's less messy. It's less messy. But I love messy. Because love is messy. I remember uh, about a year ago... Uh, I was on Facebook, and I had a friend ask to, fa- to friend me on Facebook. I didn't know who this woman was, and that's not that abnormal because as our church grows, I want to be in community. We want to talk, and so I have you guys asking me to be friends all the time, and I don't recognize your faces sometimes. So I friended her, and I went to bed, and the next morning I woke up, and I had like six voicemails, a ton of messages on Facebook. Kevin, get on Facebook, unfriend this woman. She's some sort of either porn star or lingerie model, but she has just covered your Facebook page with lingerie pictures and tagged you in all of them. So I, I unfriended her, and I thought, well, this is an interesting dynamic for a pastor of a church. I had a friend say to me after that, I was telling him this story, and he said to me, well, maybe you shouldn't friend people who you don't know. That would be safer. You wouldn't get in these embarrassing circumstances. And he's right. It would be safer. And it would be less embarrassing, and it would be less messy, but it would not be more loving. And I heart, I heart my church because our goal is not to keep our life and our church safe or clean or easy. Our goal is to love God 
and love people. And that's messy. But I love the messiness of our church. I love that sometimes I meet your friends who you've met on the street corner because God just prompted you as you were driving by to stop and to befriend someone and give them dignity and to to share a meal with them. And then you invite them to church and I get to meet your friends. I love that I've talked to people before who are clearly under the influence of something. (laughs) And under that influence, they thought, you know where I want to go? I want to go to church. I love that. I love that. Certain people would say, you can't come to church like that. I would say, you better come to church like that. (laughs) I love it. I love that we're a church that men and women come to when our lives are falling apart, when our marriages are falling apart, when our jobs are falling apart, when our kids are falling apart. We come when it's our fault because we have a reputation that says, come even if it's your fault. We love you. We love you. We throw open the doors wide. No judgment. No condemnation. I love that about our church. If you're here today and you're new to new life or you're new to Christianity, I want to tell you, we are not this incredibly loving, accepting group of people because we're just really good people. We are incredibly loving and accepting because we love a God who is good and forgiving and loving and kind and who wants the best for our lives and for your life. If you're here today and you wouldn't say you're a Jesus follower, I want to tell you this, and I need you to hear this. God loves you. God knows everything you've ever done. He knows everything you ever will do, and he could not love you more than he does right now. God loves you so much that he left heaven and came to earth and gave his life to pay the penalty for your sins so you could experience forgiveness and a relationship with a heavenly father so desperately wants to invite you to himself. And I want to tell you this, just like the woman who was caught at her lowest, right now, right where you're sitting, Jesus is kneeling next to you. He's not standing above you, judging you, or looking down or pointing at you. He's kneeling down next to you and saying, I love you, and I have a better plan for your life. So join me and walk in it. I want to do something right now. If you're here today and you've never entered into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I want to give you a chance to do that. It is literally the best decision you will ever make. There is a God who created this whole big, beautiful mess. He created you and he knows you. And every breath that you take, he's counting And he has a plan for your life. And his plan for your life includes you entering into a relationship with him, knowing him and following him and loving him. And he gives you the power when you do that to live the life he created you to live. And it changes everything. And if you've never encountered the God that we just talked about from John chapter 8, then you've never encountered God. So I'm going to pray. And in that prayer, I'm going to give you a chance to repeat a simple prayer where you commit your life over to Jesus. And you can just whisper it right where you're sitting. So would you, would you close your eyes? And if you're here today and, and you're right with God, you're walking with him, you have a relationship with him, would you be praying right now that God would be stirring in any of us 
who he's calling to commit ourselves to him. Would you just be praying right now? And if you're here this morning and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, today's your day. Today's your day. So I'm going to repeat this simple prayer, and you can repeat it after me, and you can simply commit yourself over to Jesus and start walking this journey with him. Just whisper this prayer where you're sitting. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me so much that you came to this earth and gave your life for me. I believe that when you died on the cross, you paid the penalty for my sin so that I could be forgiven. Today I say yes. Yes, I want this relationship that you're offering. And yes, I want you. So would you come, Lord? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you show me what it looks like to walk every day from this day forward into eternity? Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you made that decision, I'm so happy for you. So when you, when you came in, you were given a rock. And I know what some of you were thinking. I'm glad I have this rock. Because I still don't know about Kevin. I hope you're sitting in the back. When you came in, you got this rock. And I wanted to give you this rock so that we could physically drop it together. So that we could, as a community, say, you know what? We are committed to dropping our rocks and never, never picking them up. So that we can throw the door open wide for people to encounter Jesus. And it's not because we don't have convictions. And it's not because we don't think that God has anything to say about life. In fact, next week I'm talking about the reason that I heart our church is because God has a ton to say about life. And it's great. And it's other than anything we hear anything else, anywhere else. It's not because we don't think God has something to say. We choose to drop our rocks so that we can simply love people and invite them to encounter a God who loves them so much that he can change their lives. So, I'd like you to do is grab your rock, stand up, and just hold your rock for a second. Just hold it up. And I'm going to pray for us, and then on the count of three, we're going to drop our rocks together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for a community that you have dreamed about for years, that you've put together under the leadership of Ron and Monica and so many people who have given their lives to this community. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to continue this great journey and walk with you and drop our rocks and choose not to be a community that passes judgment and makes in-groupings and out-groupings. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to be a church that simply throws the doors open wide, loves people, allows your love to transform lives. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for that. We ask, Jesus, that you would use us to change the spiritual climate of our community. We ask that over the years, many, many thousands of people would come and they would encounter you and their lives would be changed forever because we know how much you love the people that we rub shoulders with every day. And we love you, God, and we're excited to take this journey with you. Amen. Amen. On the count of three, we're going to drop our rocks. So get ready. One, don't throw. Okay. Okay. One, two, three. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Sunday. We'll see you back here next time. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at 
newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.